This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have good Christian fun. Kind of. Ooh, we are. Yes. Well, it's a special episode. An extra helping of fun. Ooh, yes, 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 daddy. Let's talk about... I'm sorry. That was so automatic (laughs) that it's troubling. That didn't seem strange to me at all. You were flipping about throwing Mm -hmm. that daddy out there. Yeah, daddy. I feel like daddy's done. (laughs) I, I was... I feel like I was associated with daddy stuff for a while, and, and now I feel like that air is behind me. Does it feel weird if, yeah, people say daddy stuff to you? You're kind of like, huh, that's not me anymore. Yeah. Move it, on. It really, it, uh, not, no, I, I don't ever <laughs> want to tell people, like, move on, get over it. But, Grow up. But, uh, yeah, I think it's time I think it's time for dad, you know? Well, aren't you all glad you tuned in today? Because now you know what to address Kevin when you see him. Listen, it is the day after Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. I hope you're full of gifts and good cheer. Caroline, can I tell you, I forget if I told you this off mic or not, but the war on Christmas is real because (laughs) I did say to a friend of mine at church this past Sunday, hey, happy holidays. And she said, that's so annoying. Why did you say that? Kevin, did you know you've been promoted to first lieutenant in the war on Christmas from yes! that act alone? Oh, <laughs> they I'm, gave you a jingle bell heart for that one. I'm ready to serve my Santa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. boy. But you know, it's the day after Christmas. We're all kind of hanging out or maybe you're on a flight on the way to or from home, whatever the case may be, and you've turned on the podcast. This isn't a regular episode. It's a special episode of Good Christian Fun that is a sampler of good Christian fun second service. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Get, get behind that paywall, baby. Ooh, <laughs> daddy, 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 daddy. Oh, I did it again. Kevin. I'm not even thinking about it. <laughs> wow. Oh. Kevin, it, that's so passe. Should it be mommy, 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 mommy? It's harder to say. Ugh. So good Christian fun second Auntie. service. GCF second <laughs> service. We started second service uh, about the midway point last year, mm-hmm. I think back in March. Okay, the quarterway point. And we wanted to have a destination for different kinds of things that we wanted to do on the show. Things that were sometimes a deviation from the format that we have, which is to have a guest on, talk about Christian pop culture, talk about things of faith. And we wanted to have a place where we could do deeper dives of things, to do even goofier things than some of the stuff that we talk about on the show. Uh, but all while being very on brand and very on theme with the GCF promise. We are giving you what you want. Laughs and love. <laughs> We've so looked forward to having a different kind of show every week. And honestly, I feel like the last couple of weeks and months of shows that we've been doing are some of the best we've ever done. Yeah, I feel like I have walked away with so much more <laughs> just straight knowledge in my life. The amount of times that Caroline <laughs> has said on air, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. And uh, and so many more books than I had yeah. before. Um, and just 
I don't know, really amazing conversations with people that I wouldn't have otherwise talked to and maybe don't always fit the perfect uh, format that we have for the main show, like you just said. And so I'm appreciative of it in my life. I feel like it's been very good. Hell yeah. And it's a great place to have people on that we don't think of as traditional guests. People like authors, thought leaders in the Christian or ex-Christian, ex-evangelical community. People who are, I guess, in short, much smarter than we (laughs) are. Extremely much smarter. As well as some old friends like Emerson Collins or Ross Kimball or Anthony Trolley or a fourth white man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they've been good. And actually, a lot of the people that we've had on are... Our recommendations from you, our audience, um, people that you thought we should talk to or that um, were connected to some of the things that we're interested in. So thank you for your recommendations and keep sending them because they really are like a gold mine for finding these really interesting people to talk to. It's been a huge help. We have upcoming episodes on the GCF Second Service feed that are direct recommendations from listeners. And so for this episode and for this main feed episode, we wanted to present a little sampler platter of some of the episodes that we've done and maybe even a few of some coming up to kind of catch people up to speed scampi has come to my side because she loves second service too baby mm, does someone say seconds <laughs> <laughs> makes sense oh yeah scampi was on an episode that was a fun one that was a fun one yeah if you want to get a little more taste of that you'll have to head over to patreon that's right but yeah we just wanted to give everyone a little sampler, and just talk about going into 2019. We actually want to do more with the show. We want to do more with Second Service. We want to even incorporate things like participation into Second Service more. So things like maybe voting on future topics on the main feed of GCF. Yeah. We're going to start doing some of that stuff. People so rise up and give you the power, and then you're going to take over our show. That's right. Yeah, you're the host. <laughs> There'll be millions of hosts. Wait a minute. Should we start a tier where it's like for this amount <laughs> amount of money you can be the host of the show this amount of money you can move into kevin's apartment and kick him out (laughs) sign me up i think most listeners would probably be better than me as a host anyway Uh, (laughs) but but yeah so we're kind of looking to shuffle up the mix a little bit and lean even more into some of these really interesting interviews and just cool topics that we've had and even talking to some more ccm artists hopefully hey oh we we got a few on the docket they're very, very fine a few good. we've done that yeah. are really good too but like kevin said we're really proud of the show and what we've done and we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's already supporting us uh we know you love it too but we just appreciate uh the support and for those of you who love the main show it's always going to be free we love putting it out there and if you are the kind of person that is nice and wants to support and kick something our way and get a little entertainment out of it please sign up for the Patreon. It's a great time. Hey, patreon.com slash goodchristianfun. What a great and smooth plug by us. Oh, no one feels us being sweaty at all right now. Mm, daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> we, oh, sound, we sound dry and cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play some clips. We're going to do the sampler platter, a couple of samplings from a couple of our recent episodes. And then when we come back, We're going to tease next week's episode of Good Christian Fun. So enjoy this sampler of GCF Second Service. First up, we have a clip from our episode, A CCM New Standard Christmas, with special guest Emerson Collins. Let's talk about uh, five songs (laughs) that I've just kind of deemed new standards. Yes. New Christmas classics. Songs written and or recorded after the year 1990. Are these that, all CCM artists? These are all CCM artists. Okay, good. And okay. then I'm going to give you some bonus. This is a song called You Gotta Get Up. 
parentheses Christmas song by Rich Mullins. I like Rich Mullins. It's a real piano, not a synth. I thought Christmas Day would never come. But it's here at last, so mom and dad, the waiting's finally done. And you gotta get up, you gotta get up, you gotta get up. Is this about like downward Wait, this is about like people that get suicidal at the holidays. You gotta get up, you gotta get up. Hang on, our two interpretations so far is is this about your limp dick from Caroline? And Emerson's (laughs) suicide at Christmas. Is you gotta gotta get get up. up. Like holiday depression. You gotta get up, you gotta get up, you gotta get up. Could very well be true. I think they're both true <laughs> in my case. Also, it's very like Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is going to coming to town voice. His voice is so... Oh, I hope there'll be peace on earth. I know there's goodwill toward men on account of that baby born in Bethlehem. This this is my favorite CCM, the like faux sincerity Rex Harrison speak singing. <laughs> yes. Like, what is happening? This part fucking slaps. <laughs> This penny whistle. What is this? Slaps. This Irish influence in the like. <laughs> but this, they played this so much on Christian radio growing up. I don't remember anything except for, yeah, you gotta get up. I appreciate you gotta get up. the aggressive. You gotta get up. This aggressive <laughs> piano arpeggio with the like breathy push. I know. There's like a singing. weird urgency to this song. Like, which is it, sir? Oh, what happened? Oh, I guess they got carried away in the Christmas candle. His parents, they fucked. His parents were fucking. Yeah. But you gotta get up. Oh my god. You got it up last oh, I night. Think it sounds like they drank too. You gotta much. get it up this yeah. morning. Yeah, that's what he said. They got carried away. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk on Christmas. All these songs are just a medley of a one story. I want you to picture a man. Like just walking around an empty abandoned house remembering where his parents used to do this and the dog used to do that and he's like looking at the ghosts but then when he reaches out to them and says you gotta get up it cuts to a wide shot and no one's in there. And yeah and it's like empty because he's sad. Yeah. Aww. It's like the boy from the Christmas shoes came home and said please daddy don't get drunk on Christmas and the next morning he was like you gotta get up you gotta get up you gotta get up. Yeah what was this your trilogy. What was Man. your Christmas shoes hot I take? hate that song right. so much because it's the it's it epitomizes no, like literally everything that's the worst. Like I love CCM, genuinely do. It actually epitomizes the worst impulses of all of CCM. <laughs> this faux sincerity about this extremely poor tragedy. child who was clearly raised by a terrible mother who's dying because what he thought was important was she needed a materialistic thing, these Cardi B blood shoes that he needed to buy at the store. And the like terrible man behind him looks at the poor kid and is like, oh, here's a couple dollars. Maybe instead of saying, you know what? I bet your mother doesn't care about the gifts and all she really wants is to spend time with you as Mm -hmm. the most important thing in her world. So maybe you should just run along home, run along home, Tiny Tim, Mm -hmm. to her. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like just run home, Charlie. Just go yeah. be with your mom. The moral of the story or, is not your terror. Uh, they're helping this child tackle his grief, and the and the kid's 
tackling his grief through like if I just give her a present through commercialism and like what you got out of it was like yay this great thing for this kid instead of like oh my god does your mother need anything do you need a ride home a poor kid who obviously walked can to I the get store you can we, do you no. guys need a meal I gave him a dollar forty to finish buying these shoes and then anyway bought my presents and was like oh my god my life doesn't suck as bad as that kid yeah. oh, well, and Thank the impulse god. of like I am the hero of this story literally too. like <laughs> white saviorism at its literal worst we don't know that the protagonist is white. We definitely do. <laughs> this song this song is not more white people-y. Reeks of white. I am standing in line at a store and saw a poor kid wanting to buy shoes. Hey, I'm sure people of any race could could have that impulse. This song is and a, isn't wow. that progressive of me. It's this song Kevin. is a definitely a clap on the one and three. There is no gospel influence. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you when black people write songs about poor kids at Christmas, this is not what they sound like. <laughs> what, what, what do you think they sound like? Give us a little daigly taste. I'm definitely taste not going to like dole us all my way through a gospel <laughs> song right now. But I'm telling you that poor black people at Christmas response to the kid with the uh, shoes. It's okay. Song. song number four. Song number four. That was the short version. Up. You're welcome. Gotta you gotta get up. Oh, you God. Get up. You gotta get up. Uh, new classic. The aforementioned Afford played Breath of Heaven. I have traveled Immigrant song, some from the perspective of Mary, who, uh, you know, slid our savior out. And uh, it's very compassionate, very empathetic to her struggle and what she must have been going through. And I wonder if single mothers relate to this song. I don't know. What? <laughs> what? That they hope their baby is the, is the Christ child. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah because so maybe what make I, some cash off of it. <laughs> maybe, you know, the weird, awkward societal judgments of this choice that I've made. But if it's the Christ child, then maybe it'll be a little <laughs> bit better. It'll, yeah, it'll eventually. Cover a multitude. Several millennia people later, people will light candles in my honor. And sure. People will argue over she whether wasn't I'm. a single mother, though. But wouldn't you feel like it if it wasn't Joseph? Oh, I mean, yeah, I feel like you're really diminishing Joseph's, Joseph's contribution Did you to this situation. <laughs> like, right, the ultimate cuck. I the forgot great about cuckold Joseph himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The almighty cuck job. Can we write a cuckold Christmas? I want to write a cuckold Christmas and have it be a song about Joseph's awkward God feelings my about like, my pregnant wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a very cuckold Christmas. This story. That would be a good 30 minutes to heaven. Because we, if we still did those. <laughs> we haven't discussed the mansplain Christmas Carol that is the o- opposite side of this conversation. Oh, uh, well, you know, it might be. Is it on your list? Number three on the I list. I hope it is. This is from the Braxtons. Oh. Not Tony. It's the group. It's all of them. It's all of them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Here we go. I love that women singing the song empowers it slightly. Slightly. Because it is the mansplainiest song of all time. Because the Bible literally says that the angel said to her, you will continue the tribe of Jacob, taking the throne of David, and the kingdom will last forever. Yes! Yes, she she knew! knew. She knew it all. Oh my God, did you not pay attention to the story? Mary, did you? She did. They told her. They told her. Repeatedly. They even said your postmenopausal friend will also have a baby, so Jesus has a friend. Yeah. Like, lots of information was shared with this woman. She knew more than anyone else. But like that guys, said, I sang this at a lot of churches. Really? Absolutely. Because it's the like bear tenor anthem at Christmas. This is written by Mark Lowry. Yes. He wrote this. Yes. Oh yeah, the comedian? Yes. Weird. 
No, he's. I mean, he's a good singer. I guess he's a good songwriter, technically. Yeah, wasn't he in the? Was didn't he sing with the Gaithers? Oh, he was for a, a Gaither while? boy. Yeah. yeah, for a while. Yeah. Uh, now he has a YouTube channel. Sure. <laughs> he's an influencer. How deep is that closet? That's fine. Hey, oh, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I haven't slept with them. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's always my answer when people are like, is this person gay? I'm like, I don't know. I, I haven't slept, slept with them, with so I don't know. That, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Well, because I do, as much as I made the joke there, I hate when people are like, oh, they seem Speculating, like, yes, yeah. Leave them tough. alone. Yeah, it's tough. If they're not being a hypocritical and legislating against my rights, live your life. I don't sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a narcissist. This is number care. three. We talked about Mary Did You Know a bunch love last it. year. It's one of our Hunt for the Worst Christmas. I love it. I love Christian it. Songs and I, I love it in all, of, all this problematic glory because the melody is fantastic. That who, bridge is amazing. Who? It is a well-crafted pop Song. Had the definitive version Clay of the song. I was gonna say Clay Aiken. I'm not even kidding. I think his is good. Clay Aiken has the perfect Christmas Carol voice. It is a flawlessly powerful voice. Uh, I can't get on board with this song. I get it. I hear you. At mine, it's selfish. It's one of the only ones I can sing, and it sounds pretty cool. He should have recorded this album and then peace out. Right, like this was this is Apex Aiken. What's funny is that you can do a great version of this song. I wish people would take out the awkward like '92 like drum. Yeah, do, do, if you would do it as a real ballad, it's better. Number two, I wonder if you know this song. Number two, I'm just gonna play. I won't say what it is. There's 45 seconds more. Well, it's like, how many intros are there? <laughs> oh my God, there's not yes. another intro. Still going. But now I do know what the song is. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. You've been from. This is Welcome to Our World. Welcome to Our World, written by Mr. Cartoons himself, Chris Rice. This is as performed by Mr. Michael W. Smith. Yes. On his album, Christmas Time. One of his three Christmas albums. As he should. He, ironically, it's Michael W. Smith's fault that like Rich Mullins and all these people tried to do this breathy singing thing because that is just the way Michael W. Smith sings. Uh, I can't, his voice, I can't deal with it. I... You love have it? adolescent trauma associated with like Kentucky Rose and various songs from the <sighs> and we discussed Place in This World and my journey with that song yeah. so he him singing at Christmas and I'm here for it you this is the it. dumbest song it's not as bad as Happy Birthday Jesus welcome to our world oh Happy Birthday Jesus I think that was a nominee last year that we never used what's great Christian is because song. it's a, an uplifting message sung as a funeral dirge which is so weird yeah, I remember our youth choir and youth group in high school doing this song on our little choir Everybody tours did. for mission yes. trips. You but know, I like this sentiment. Welcome to our world. Yes. Your little welcome committee. Yes. Oh, you little alien. You, uh-huh. you put a you put like a human tunnel for him to run through like at the end of a soccer <laughs> game. Out of one tunnel and into the other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shooting. Ready goes. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. 
Like donkey poop on the side and guys, up we go. Guys, guys. This is why people unsubscribe from you the know, Patreon. <laughs> you know why I couldn't be Jesus? I'm allergic to hay. Hey. I would have died in the manger. Oh my <laughs> are you actually allergic to hay? I literally am. Like oh, no. every Halloween, people are like, let's go on a hayride. I'm like, I would actually die. Like, Ooh, spooky though. I know, right? It's a choice. It's a thought. We could consider <laughs> but welcome, I like Welcome to our I do too. I think, I think I it's, it's a little too. simple. It's Cute. a sweet, it's sweet on the version. Simple song for a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rice <laughs> or Michael W. Smith. Mike. He doesn't seem complicated, but I mean that and I in a like good way. I like that about him. But I, I think that about Nathan too. He did one. Do you of know his, what I mean? I know what you mean. He's like not. But I mean in he's a good way. He's not going to manipulate. He's not. He doesn't have any hidden motives. Right. There. What's he, the other big M Dub one? The Christmas. His other big Christmas song. Uh oh. You know what? I'm going to play because it might be my number one. Because he did it with Jennifer Nettles on the Jennifer Nettles one? Christmas special. Oh, you have a few number ones. Uh, this is number one on the very loose list. We're doing. Okay, okay, great. The new standards. The nude standards. Christmas Day with Jennifer Nettles. You put Mary, did you know? I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's a standard now. Yeah, I don't have to like it. You will not. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying I like these songs. I'm going to stop doing that on the show. <laughs> that you have to like. <laughs> yeah. That's a losing battle. Um, you know, music taste, it's so subjective. You know why these all I have long mad at you instrumentals? They were all written to like open Christmas pageants. Yes. Do you know that song? I love this. This is beautiful. And this is Michael W. Smith singing. <laughs> His falsetto is good. It's so different. Very plaintive. He's a good composer. Yes. Absolutely. He's Christian Hans Zimmer. No, he's not. <laughs> but he he does put out those instruments. He's Christian Max Martin. Wait, who wrote this? Michael W. Smith. Uh, co-write with Wayne Kirkpatrick, I believe. That that makes sense. Yeah. And then on the newest Christmas album, it's a. Uh... Oh, that's pretty. I think this is a good new standard. Oh, for I agree. Songs. I like this. Yeah. Also, when you get out of the pop realm and it stays closer to legit, and you bring in a choir, I'm here every time. Oh yeah, for it's everything. gonna be good. I don't yeah, care. Uh huh. I have noticed a trend of like when. Contemporary musicians try to do like this is my version of a hymn. It usually works out if they don't suck. Like it's not like you yes. miss the mark, dude. It's like no, it's, yeah. The, well, there's the, the thing of like if you don't reinvent the wheel and you have a good voice or the whale in Jonah's case, <laughs> the genre yes, of a hymn is just a pretty thing. Also, sincerity does matter, and you yeah. can tell even in the production when it's like we're trying to do too much or like right. when it's like this is lovely and let's do it lovely right this is uh this is a version from his that's pretty his newest album as sung by an old friend a new friend miss carrie underwood she's in that category for me the voice is so pure just sing well and i'm here She's still a little too poppy for me. Who's better, her or Ruben Studdard? I'm going to set you on fire for asking that as some sign of sincere Because it's obviously Ruben. I hate you. I have to go. It's you so weird. Something go. just came up. Oh, no. I'm no longer <laughs> available here. You ran out of 
Ruben Sutter is one of the like Ruben Sutter and Taylor Hicks are the like two great catastrophes American Idol. You're not part of Soul Patrol. <laughs> I am not. He is a lovely human being, and he had the most delightful personality and a lovely smooth voice. But to ever pretend in any way like the the better voice was not Clay Aikens is absurd. And dude, when he whipped out that harmonica, he could friggin' wail on it. I saw a photo of him the other day and Clay on a podcast. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, we have competition. When, when also we're rather certain that just the phone lines helped you win because it was the year they literally couldn't track the calls fast enough the vote was so close that it oh, was wow. like it was a little bit like did technology yeah. Stacey Abrams knows a little something about that I'll tell you that much I am I'm, I'm, I am moving to Georgia and marching for her <laughs> like, yeah that was a big year for American Idol I guess those first few they were big yeah. um, I don't remember Ruben Ruben was season two I mean I know who Clay he is. the Velvet Teddy yeah. Bear too. Yeah, I just I didn't watch that season, so I don't remember. Oh, uh, there like. were so many classics from that season, <laughs> oh, and the finale where they were all in white, and Kelly Clarkson came out with a long Ariana Grande ponytail wow. and a black belt, while everyone else was in white, and they sang one voice together. One voice. It's like you don't even know pop culture at all. I have chills just hearing the story. Yeah. Isn't that Burt Bacharach? Yes. Yeah. That's why it was so amazing because it was like so where I sit at like cheesy adult contemporary pop. <laughs> like Kelly Clarkson who I was absolutely and to this day obsessed with because yeah. all of the talent show contestants owe the, everything to the fact that she was a legitimate winner with and a legitimate voice. She was very voice. good. Yeah. Um, Carrie Underwood can soar because Kelly Clarkson walked first mm. yeah is that the meme what is it i mean you were blah 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 walked so it's walked so could fly yeah but yeah my hands look like this <laughs> could look like this <laughs> my hands are smaller now but all right yeah. now i'm gonna i'm gonna play the five just gonna blow right through these these are the five weirdest or worst covers yes. of christmas songs I absolutely right. family force five who what family force five which is apparently a band i disagree listen to this do you have any sense of what this song is yet? No. Oh no. No. I don't usually dislike music. This is like I dislike. This you know what song. this would be? This is like a rejected track from a 98 degrees Christmas album. It's like the hurts to listen to. It's like an alien watched one TV channel from like 1999 and then decided to write a song. Like they saw half an episode of Kids Incorporated and then... (laughs) Wow, that was was an assault. Do you know this one? Not yet. The Little Drummer Boy done by... Little Drummer Boy by Justin Bieber. Stop. Oh, that was good. That's already... That riff was already terrible. Hang on. No, it was good. We're fighting about this. <laughs> We're fighting about this. This is real. We're in a fight. Here we go. I need all of you to know that he just lip synced the entire rap. <laughs> That happened. I love this song. I said this is a weird cover. It's actually really great. Uh, it's not. I did, that was I did, good. That you're incorrect. Breath of Heaven by <laughs> Jessica Simpson. Oh my God! Yes, yes. I know this version well, actually. Poor thing. Uh, I saw three ships. What's going on with her lately? Who did this? She's in her Anna Nicole Smith phase now. Who did this? 
This one? Yes, I threw sorcery ships. I'm gonna see if you can recognize it by voice alone. Cause that's I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. And what was in those ships all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day? Oh my god. Kevin Max. Of DC Talk fame. Oh wow. my gosh. Well, Christmas album in 2005. How did I not recognize his voice? I like this. Yeah, I kind of like it too. Oh, holy it's just a, a weird track choice at all. So I ate three chips. I ate three chips. And guacamole. <laughs> and guacamole. And finally, wow. maybe the strangest one, Christmas Don't Be Late Ugh. by... Anyone is. Time goes by. Amy Grant. Christmas lists change. Oh, Amy. But some things don't ever change. Like the anticipation of being together. <laughs> There's spooky Christmas word. at our house is full of a whole lot of last minute What is everything. this? Like a, it's like they spliced in a podcast. <laughs> this like poetry <laughs> slam intro. Yes. Christmas, Christmas time is near. Uh, is the Alvin and the Chipmunks song? I, yes. <laughs> and time. Smooth. Who knew that if you slowed that song down, it was actually worse <laughs> than the chipmunks doing it? Hang on. Okay, She's so still chat. Yeah, no, it it comes back. Her podcast comes back. Oh my god. I guess I like nostalgic gifts because they <laughs> remind me of my childhood. Apropos of nothing, I guess I like. What are nostalgic? She games? really felt like we wanted to know. Potholder kids. You know the metal looms and the cotton loops. It was a disaster. What is this story? But before Christmas Day was up, guess who was making potholders? Everybody in the whole family. And you can't even wrap this under the tree, but here comes Christmas for me. Just getting to hear my girls sing. Here comes Christmas for me. (laughs) (laughs) Should we call the song Here Comes Christmas for me? For me. This podcast episode. Yes. Here comes Christmas Christmas for me. It's pretty, but (laughs) (laughs) this is from her newest uh, her newest album, Tennessee Christmas. Or her newest Christmas album. Tennessee Christmas because she does have four. This is the fourth she of my. Wait, we have to discuss one more. Hold on, I think her podcast is about to restart. Oh yeah, <laughs> give me one more of those. Well, I guess right. Amy Grant Vince and I have been struggling with communication lately, so <laughs> you hung up mistletoe. Didn't work. Well, I'm gonna sing a Merry we Christmas to, to Gary Chapman. Switch it up, <laughs> Gary. Shouts out to Gary Sands all across the nation. Happy Christmas to me. Here comes Christmas. Here comes Christmas to me. <laughs> what is she Does she have more to say? She's making us wait for it. That's for sure. Yeah, she is. Bye bye. Oh, I lied. <laughs> Here comes. Christmas. There was not a coda to that story. Was it? Here comes Christmas for me. Or- for me. But before Christmas Day was out, I need to learn this song. You should learn this song. And the monologue. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. No, I know the song. I need to learn the monologue. Here we go. And you can't even wrap this under the tree, but 
Here comes Christmas for me. Here comes Christmas. And you can't even for wrap me. this under the tree, but here comes Christmas for, for me. me. My girls just getting to hear my girls sing. Just getting to hear my girls sing. Oh my girls! It's like sing. every country artist before they introduce like a friend coming on stage. Uh, it's absolutely Raina James from Nashville. Like that it. was just Raina James from Nashville and, uh, off her Christmas. You can't album. wrap this, but here comes Connie Britton <laughs> doing Christmas. Dear Lord, what, getting him what is your song? Sing. I'll play it from here. What, uh, okay. Get my girl singing. It is. <laughs> Wait, you, you've you heard First Call's new 12 Days of Christmas, nope. right? Oh, my God. First Call. Oh, my God. On the first day of Christmas, a vision came to me. There we a go. child born to set the world free. First Call, describe this band. Uh, pretend I don't know who they are. If uh, that's even possible. I mean, they're Whoa. just like that weird period where like men and women were in a group together and we didn't know what to do in CCM in like, was, the early 90s. The Avalon phase where it's like you yeah, could just put non-distinct it, white people. But and, they were like the generation prior ah. to Avalon. Avalon was like, oh, we figured out four is enough. Like They walked so Avalon could fly. Literally. I did it. <laughs> it's actually run. Perfect. There's three steps to this meme. It is, but it's like first call walked so Avalon could run so somebody now could fly. Like that's uh, the that's got bad the news. Ain't no one's flying now in this genre. Um, but you Aww. should just jump to the end where you can get like the full twelve. Okay. Because the twelve days become twelve. Let's see what number this is. Twelve diet slamming. Stockings brimming ten, trees were trimming nine, cash dispersals eight, wire rehearsal seven, plates of dressing six, cards with blessings, five shopping malls, <laughs> four, four manger scenes, three fruit cakes. I'm right here. Evergreens, and a child born to set the world. Well, that part I like. 1985. We wish you a Merry Christmas. This is fun. Okay, and it's bonkers insanity. You should listen to whole, the whole thing sometime. Because Is it 12 every diets slimming? 12 diets slimming. Yes, I don't know. It was, with, it was during the Slim Fast phase when yeah, Slim, Fast Slim Fast was first was introduced. Big. 12 diets slimming. That's the grammar of Amy Grant's Here Comes Christmas <laughs> to me. It's like a different acapella <laughs> vocal styling with every day of Christmas. It's actually fantastically terrible, amazing. That's fun. I love yeah. it. It's on my like, playlist with slimming the Carpenters and Christmas. Christmas for coming to me. Here comes Diet Slimming Christmas to me. 12 Diet Slimming, 11 Trees for Trimming. Oh, I'm, I'm so sad that only Patreon listeners can hear Here Comes Christmas. Here Comes Christmas for Here Me. Here Comes Christmas for Me. You know, yeah. I'll put that in the theme song and not tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yes. You should do that. It's the new. Oh, the whole dear God. Holiday season. Next up, a clip from our interview with Queer Eye contestant Bobby Camp. Before we got to the stuff with the actual TV show, I did want to talk about um, your relationship or uh, philosophy of feelings about LGBTQ people before coming on to the show. Because I'm sure in the South there was probably some sense of like growth or change or evolution in that. You talked about um, situations and experiences of, of seeing blatant racism and uh, prejudice in your community. But uh, how did that manifest itself with LGBTQ people? Um, especially when I was growing up, any of the gay slurs were, were open season. We used any and all of them to describe any boy that we didn't like. You know, if there was some guy in our in our school that showed less masculine tendencies, we, we braided him with, with criticism, with words that, you know, hurt. You know, if somebody, if 
some guy was um, like theater. You know, mm-hmm. he was going to get abused and he was going to get called all kinds of gay slurs. Mm-hmm. Um, if we wanted to insult our friends, we would imply, you know, gay slurs and whatnot. And that would be the thing. That would be one of the things that you, you could say and hurt somebody with. We didn't like gay people. We thought that, you know, they were deviants. And, and part of that was church. Part of that was just the culture growing up. We, me and my friends and me and me and, me and Southern Baptist boys growing up, me and me and boys growing up. I'm not lumping my wife into this. So, um, yeah, she's exonerated from this one. Yeah, yeah she's. I'm way past that. Yeah, she's from a whole other generation of people. They didn't. They didn't yeah, talk about like that. Yeah. I know, so, but I, you know, I grew up in the. I was, I was a teenager in the '80s. So in the South, and, and it was it was really okay to to hurt people, and and to call people different. You know, like I said the abusive gay terms, and and to insult people by calling them gay. Mm-hmm. And if there was somebody who was who was gay in my world, I certainly wouldn't associate with them. I certainly would um, talk about them behind their back, distance myself from them. But once again, I was self righteous, and it was okay because they were sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know they're lost and silly them. Why did they choose that? There was a couple turning points um, that, that got me a little more open to my thinking. One of my best friends had a younger brother who was one of well, one of our gang, hung out with us all the time. You know, was a youth group kid. Did everything. I mean, I, literally one of my best friends, I was there at his house for years just hanging out with, with them. And um, after we got out of school, after he got out of school, he came out as gay, the younger brother. And um, changed my perception because, you know, this wasn't some guy. This wasn't some some guy that we just want to insult and make fun of. Mm-hmm. He was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. This was, this was you know, closest thing to, to a brotherly type people in my world. And so it changed the way I felt about seeing gay people we, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of interaction because we were all in school we all moved around but you know knowing that this is somebody who is close in my life that was gay was you know it made it made it human and then working on my christian bookstore a few years later um we had a kid i worked with that was you know a high school kid worked through, worked through high school with our at our at our store and um when he went when he got out of school he went away to college a few a few months after he was in college he got on the real world um with mtv and when he was on the real world, he came out as gay wow. on national TV. And mm-hmm. I thought, hey, this is one of my friends. This isn't some guy. This isn't somebody weird. This is one of my friends. And, um, you know, he didn't come back after college to, to our community very, very often. Um, and when he did, he made a point to come find me. And he sat down with me and he said, so what do you think? Mm. And I said, dude, you're my friend. You're my brother. I love you. And, and, it, and it humanized it and it made it real. And, and, you know, I can't sit there and say anything about how I thought he got to where he was because it's his life and it's his experience and it's his world. And, and he was just my friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he grew up in the church. And he grew up in Christian music world. And he grew up in, in, in Christian pop culture and grew up with a loving family and, and godly parents. And, and, you know, he's my friend and, and he's gay. Mm-hmm. And that started changing my perspective as well. Um, so going into the show, I didn't know. I didn't want to talk about not having answers. I don't have any answers anymore. It used to be easy. God is over here. Gay people are over there. Right. Church people are over here. Gay people are over there. So when I was younger, you can make fun of people. I got past the making fun of people because I just grew up. Um, I stopped making fun of people so much. Um, That's not true. Well, make fun of me. I, I make fun of some people. But make, making fun of people they, in a mean it's way. It's well yeah. <laughs> It's legitimate. It's all in love. Um, <laughs> it opened up my mind. I started being less judgmental. 
I started being less rule following. And I knew that, you know, I'm not going to come out of church and say, we're the, we're the church that needs to open up and accept gays. But if you want to talk to me about how I feel about it, my answer is I don't know. And, and that started the transition with having these experiences of real people in my life mm-hmm. that were gay. And, and that was okay. Yeah. And so here we are. Next step. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like um, in watching the episode, I mean, one thing that really sticks out to me is that I think just aesthetically, a Southern family, a white family in the South, you would think that would be the image of people who would, you know, close the doors on a community like that, close the doors on people like the Fab Five and (laughs) and those lovely men. But seeing how you guys open up your home to them and really, I feel I really connected to the part of the episode where you talked about hospitality and just how you didn't know how the episode was going to go. And you were optimistic and hopeful, but just that sense of humility that you had, like, I don't know, I didn't have an agenda, but mm-hmm. you just wanted to, like, love them. I think I think for a lot of people that look like you, that look like us, I should say, that's, pro- that's maybe one of the first times that they could see that sort of depiction on screen in a TV show or movie of just, like, yeah. a healthy, loving, respectful, affirming relationship uh, between southern bible belt christians and gay people of which the two are blending all the more <laughs> in the terms of exactly and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah so it was really cool to see and another thing i really appreciate about your story too in opening up about um where you came from and growing up in the 80s and certainly like kind of the culture of it and how gay bashing was just so normal that it was a part of our movies and our TV shows that you heard the F word pretty much on the regular in movies and TV shows that it was a punchline. And what I, what I appreciate though about you opening up about that stuff is that I think a lot of times it's easy to watch things like Queer Eye that are, that are super helpful and affirming and life giving and just assume that's the story and like, well, I guess he was always that way and he's just one of the good ones. And Mm -hmm. I guess he's just always been like that. But I appreciate hearing the parts of like, Man, that there was like a lot of latitude in your life for evolution and growth and change and how those personal relationships you had with the with your friend's little brother and the guy at the bookstore. By the way, low key, that bookstore created a lot of reality TV people <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah. Right? <laughs> spawning around for many a TV your- show. <laughs> yeah, my wife worked there too. That's where we oh, met. Funny. Oh wow. That's um, where you met at the bookstore? You know, I I actually have a question for for Vera or kind of both of you because I was curious. Uh, did you two talk about going on the show together, or was it um, her idea for the most part? And like, what was your <laughs> hello? Come um, on in. Yeah, I fell over. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We didn't see it. You were out of frame. Yeah, you're so cool. Um, I guess what was your um, what was your goal when you were going into that? Because you could have signed him up for any makeover show. You know, like what was it about Queer Eye, and how did you hear about it and stuff? Well, okay. there was a, a thing on on the Facebook I don't know how to Facebook website, like on like a yard sale site. Oh, funny! That said, looking for men for a, for a, a makeover. makeover TV show. <laughs> so I was like, sure, why not? I'll, oh, so I'll... you didn't know it was Queer Eye or anything? Oh, I had no idea. It was just men's makeover show. Oh, funny. So I was like, sure, why not? Bobby would do that. He needs new clothes. <laughs> and, 
So I sent in his picture and like a little blurb. And I was like, they're going to be like, yeah, right. Y'all are crazy. No. Mm-hmm. And then, and really I thought only he would be on the show. I didn't think. Oh that yeah. I, it'd be the whole family and everything. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so then they emailed me back and I was like, what the heck? And they were like, um, I'd love to just chat with you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to chat with these people. And they're going to be like, "Mm, that girl is crazy. No. (laughs) And so what was supposed to be like a 30 minute chat was like two hours. And they were like, we love you. We want to do a Skype with both of you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well at this point they're going to be like, no, y'all are insane. This, there is way too much chaos here. No. Um, and kind of at this point, we knew what we were getting into a little bit. We knew it was Queer Eye. We knew. Um, yeah, but not much beyond that. I mean, we, no. we knew that it was Queer Eye and they, were, they wanted to do a makeover. But it was literally a three-hour Skype after that of getting to know them. And they asked us so many questions. And you could tell in their questions, so tell me about your church. Mm. What does your church believe about homosexuality? How involved are you in your church? Yeah. Mm. What do you believe God says about homosexuality? Wow. Tell us about your church again. And wow. they kept coming back to this theme of, you could tell they were looking for more bigotry, I guess. Mm. And even once we got cast on the show, which we were surprised that we got cast on the show because, you know. It seemed like a long we're, shot. We're, not, we're kind of average. You know, we just we have kids and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it wasn't a huge dramatic makeover, I think, you know, but whatever. Um, um, the house was a dramatic makeover, um, <laughs> but they they came and you know we were pretty much in and they were doing some more preliminary questions to set us up for what they wanted to do, and still the questions were, so what does your church believe about homosexuality? Mm. And like even one of the producers came to our church and visited with us one Sunday and spent time talking to us, and so many of the questions were trying to figure out what we thought about homosexuality as Southern Baptists, as white people in the right. South. And, you know, 10 years ago, who knows what our answers might have been. But we're not those people anymore. Right. Um, and so I could tell it threw them off a little bit because like, they had a plan for what they wanted the show to be. And they didn't quite know what to make of it. As a matter of fact, we had a plan for what, you know, we thought the show was going to be, too. We were supposed to – it was supposed to be cast later on in the summer. And the whole thing was going to be Vera's sister was getting married. Let's get ready for a wedding. Let's get ready for a dance. Let's get ready for the- – oh, okay. And they ended up casting us. They were producing the show months earlier. Oh, okay. And so once they got to producing the show, they didn't know what to do with us either. So they were like, um, let's do that wedding reception redo. Oh, funny. Um, okay. And so it, it threw them yeah, off a little I bit. I don't complain about our wedding reception. <laughs> oh, really? She doesn't. But if, if, no. if you ask her about it. No, I don't. Fact, you really get upset about photos. It seems too. like the number one problem in your marriage is the wedding reception. <laughs> I'm like... I've got two really good photos. I'm good. But if someone asks us, do you have any photos of your wedding? We're like, here they are. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. Next up is a clip from our interview with Sixpence None the Richer frontwoman and singer-songwriter Lee Nash. Well, you know what? We yeah. could just keep going. Well, I don't have to intro. <laughs> yeah. Our guest is Lee Nash from Sixpence None the Richer from her solo career. Lee, thanks for joining Lee, us. Lee, it's such a joy to thanks have you. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been so excited to talk to y'all. Well, what are You've all- been excited. We've been excited. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sixpence always felt like one of the first bands that truly felt like the, which is almost like standard branding now, of like, we're not a Christian band. We're a band and we're Christians in it, but it doesn't. Right. <laughs> inform every other line of our lyrics in the way that I'm, it might I'm wor- yeah i'm worried that we might have coined that I, I can hear i can hear us saying that and it got annoying even hearing it come out of our mouths but you know and it just it felt like okay the only way to to you know end this is just to completely step aside which we never really did I mean, we were we were so had so many bad business problems that it didn't even matter we weren't even able to ever really do what we wanted to do but um Mm -hmm. but you know our songs just got more and more strange and they were always dark and i feel like they just got darker and not in like a good you know let the flood wash over me kind of (laughs) dark we're saying like an e minor to a g yeah yeah exactly (laughs) right like i'm a center dark (laughs) more of just dark no um yeah i know i know you guys were with a christian label at one point right and then yeah i i guess you're saying you were sort of transitioned out what was your perspective from having one foot in one foot out like what what did it look like to you well i felt like it quickly became as far as other Christian acts and the industry as a whole kind of always giving us the side eye. And then it became, you know, went from giving us the side eye to like a complete icing, like, you know, okay, they're this, they're out. Really? <laughs> they're, you know, they're not um, p- a part of this world anymore. And I, you know, and I, I put out a hymns record a few years ago and I'm still really proud of, I, I love uh, my faith. I still maintain it, but, um, but I put out a record a couple of years ago called The State I'm In. And one of the songs is called High is Better. And it's very much about marijuana use. And um, and now I feel like I can't. It's it's weird to talk about, hey, I've got this hymns record. Because unfortunately, people feel we'll like bring up that you, know, one, you can't have one without the other. And I completely disagree with that and so much. But you know what I mean? I feel like now there's no way. There's no way I could ever say... I'm going to make a hymns record because now they're like, oh, she smokes weed. There's no way (laughs) she can be a Christian. Hello's good, but high is better. Let's go up and smoke together. You don't cheat and I don't lie. We're not in the mood to fight. Let's get the wine out on the table. You're no drunk and I'm not unstable. We can't stay this low. Forever. Hello's good, but high is better. 
such an odd experience and I know it's so common. It's like tale as old as time. But when you kind of know your faith, yet other people will just point to examples and say like, no, you don't. You're not. You're out. Right. (laughs) But I I want to be in. I am. I think that was all that's required. Yeah, exactly. I think some people probably do it right. I'm just, you know, I love, um, what is his, um, oh my gosh, why do I start talking sometimes? (laughs) Yes, Carmen. (laughs) And then I don't need to, that's all. I just wanted to say his name. Well, thanks for the interview. Amen. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, bye guys, Carmen. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about the other day, I think y'all posted something about trying to come up with what the best Christian song of all time is yes. did you did you come up with something we had two nominees at the time it's kind of a misnomer okay. of a of a game but yeah. it's just like which do you think is better which we one do you like done more? an exhaustive gathering of the entire genre yeah. but we'll we'll pit a couple yeah. against each other at a time and really try to think about well <laughs> I, I i implore you to look into if you haven't already um consider some pfr offerings oh yeah what's pfr oh goldie's you're, last you remember day pray for rain yeah yes goldie's last day or that's the love I know, but they were my favorite Christian band, and I think Chris Rice. I can't think of what it's called, but I'm pretty sure he has the greatest Christian song of all time. Oh just, wow! I just really throwing it out think there. Of what it is? Chris Rice has "Welcome fact, to Our World." Uh, cartoons, that, right? Yes, that was one of my favorites. I can't listen to that without crying. Oh. And then something about a fly flying around a window. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's from his cleaning supplies Again. album. It's a it's a really interesting concept. Yo, right. album where he's like I'm about a dirty house. Yeah. No, what he's <laughs> like Jesus makes it clean. It's often hard sometimes when faith is a part of the stuff that you're making creatively and putting stuff out, even if it's like not the primary, because there's a way to lean into it where it's like, hey, we're a worship band and we're here to worship with you. But the right. faith fitting into your lives and fitting into your music in the way that it does. I must imagine that it was hard to not take some of the criticism or the side eye or the skepticism personally on some level. Yeah. So how did you guys navigate I that? Did, I had the hardest time because Matt, my partner in the band, was like pretty antisocial and wouldn't come out um, most times and talk to the crowd after shows, it was, it was on me to do that. Oh, wow. And I do enjoy talking to people. That's why I still love my job because I want to connect with people, but you're right. It really did take its toll. And I still, even now I've got kind of an allergy to other Christians and, you know, I've got issues with church and, um, cause there, I do, I've got some some trauma um, around some of the encounters I had after shows when we first started. And, you know, we played a lot of youth group type scenarios and, and uh, you know, they'd have, they'd get pizzas and we'd play for kids that were basically just looking for an excuse to mosh and I don't know, eat pizza. And we were playing our songs, our really dark, weird songs. And, but after some of the sets, I would have people come up and really come down on me for not giving altar calls and, you know, say there were, there were people here tonight that are not saved and you didn't, you know, you didn't give an altar call. How do you sleep at night? And I was like 16 years old. I'm like, I miss my mother. I want to go home. (laughs) And, um, you know, and sometimes those people would be around the age of my parents and it was more, it was just like, God. And I just, I didn't grow up that way. I, I grew up, I don't know. I just, my family was never like that. And we grew up going to a Baptist church, but we're just really 
cool, sweet people and would never judge anyone like that. And yeah. so it, it really kind of gave me a screwed up vision of how awful people can like. be. Well, I think it's really hard to anytime you try to shoehorn in evangelism into anything you're doing and including your personal yeah. life. Like, I, I don't know if that's something you went through, but I feel like growing up and even now, the idea of like the good news is so good, you have to tell people about it. And if you don't, you're right. bad and you're a bad you're person like for, your like, responsibility. for right. not like running around screaming about it or doing the like yeah, the, the low key ninja thing. <laughs> I was going to ask exactly. if, um, like, if you ever were kind of cornered into like having to do something like that, either at some Christian festival or a church invited you and they, they like kind of pushed you into like, you need to also do an altar call or do prayer or oh, do something absolutely. like that. But it only happened a couple of times. So that, that definitely, definitely happened. And it just, if it's not natural, it's, it works to the opposite effect. And I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I didn't feel like it was my position. I felt like, and I still do that, you know, it just, it comes out naturally because that's the gift. The singing is the gift and the being of a, a, a conduit for great lyrics and in connecting with the audience through music. But me mm -hmm. standing up there trying to talk about my faith, I'd end up talking about, you know, something. I, I, once I start talking, I don't know if you've noticed, but I mean, it can go anywhere. I'll start talking <laughs> about, I don't know, pooping or, or sex. Um, hey, the I greatest hits of GC. I hate that those... <laughs> I hate that those were my two my two examples. examples. That really sucks. But um, there's a fork in the road. Yeah, for I all really of us. hate that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it just it doesn't come naturally. I'm not a great on stage. I don't know where things are going to go. So I'm the last person you want up there <laughs> trying to deliver us a, a, a succinct message. I'm not the girl. Right. I just wasn't made that way. Like I was doing interviews with. CCM magazine. Do y'all remember what that was? Oh, yeah. Lee, I, I have a know. box full of them <laughs> in my apartment. I'm not kidding. Oh, you do? Well, I would do those interviews and I always got so nervous because Matt, my partner, was writing those songs with the really heavy, intense lyrics. And I, I was not in those places. I wasn't reading those books. And, oh, you know, yeah. I couldn't just sit and wax poetic. <laughs> Be the lightning rod for the questions about yeah, it. I, yeah. And, but I had to ask exactly, answer questions about, about the songs. Cause he generally wasn't, you know, into doing those interviews. And so it was really uncomfortable and, and I probably felt kind of dumb a lot and I, and I shouldn't have, but I was a really young person giving interviews about C.S. Lewis and hadn't really started reading C.S. Lewis yet. So it was a little awkward. Oh, that's my but, um, Oh, it was. And, and I was I was participating in, you know, things that I felt like if the interviewer knew about like what was really going on, they wouldn't want to be talking to me. And mm. and that was always really weird, too. And I hate it when I hated it when they would say, you know, what's your favorite Bible verse, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you know, just shut up. It just felt like they were trying to make me prove that I'm, you know, yeah. worthy of, of being a Christian artist. And I'm like, dudes, if you even knew what was going on in this house right now, I mean, you, this would, it just, it did. I, I felt like my life was definitely at odds with what was being required of me to say about my life. And that sucks. You know, and you had at the time, Rebecca, Rebecca St. James, 
had that whole virgin campaign that she was doing. <laughs> yeah, yes, the virgin like, campaign. The virgin campaign is so much more yeah. succinct. I love that. Now that that is a great Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, the, title, virgin the virgin Christmas. <laughs> I guess yes. it really was a virgin Christmas. Yeah. A virgin for Christmas. Um, I guess this is an odd question, but like, yeah, did that ever come up? Like, were people ever asking you about like your purity commitments or things like that? Um, absolutely, Are you absolutely, oh, and no. and I unfortunately, you know, I'd been in a relationship for several years, and I mean, I won't get into all that. I don't, but but it was it was extraordinarily uncomfortable to talk about you know, like, what would you, they would ask me and I'm, I'm a teenager and they're asking me, what would you tell teenagers that are struggling with, you know, purity or remaining a virgin? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, dude. How about you I, take I, a crack at it first? So then, uh, what I, exactly. What, I what, would, <laughs> what would you tell me about yeah, it? Cause you sir? were 17. Yeah. Right? So it's or uncomfortable like when this started. Yeah. 16, 17 Gosh. is when I first started giving those interviews and, Oh man. Yeah. That was uncomfortable. And then I felt like a liar and a, and kind of a fraud. So the more, you know, but like I said, we didn't, we just kind of dipped our toe in. I don't feel like we, we ever got a whole limb, <laughs> limb in there. We were kind of outsiders or trying to stay outsiders. Well, what I find interesting too, about this part of your story is that CCM stuff and Christian pop culture stuff represents a sanitized version in view of the world and it's something where it's like somewhere between this year and that year american christianity became very good at being commodified and really sold and in a pretty nice pretty slick package and music that was a part of it was a part of that narrative but the fact that you come from something where it's like that wasn't the case my home wasn't sanitized my life wasn't sanitized but then we're still thrust into these spaces where you had to navigate that even while feeling, right. I don't know, like I'm sure it's a, it's an even more common story, you know, even people yeah. that still continue to work within those systems. But it's just so interesting of like, right. no, I, even I'm not buying it to the like, you're, you're <laughs> the, like the 16, 17 year old kid where it's like, no, life isn't like that. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. Well, and that I feel like is was the appeal exactly. for so much of CCM was music where the parents could point to the musicians and be like, see, they're a good person too. Mm -hmm. And like, this is all safe for you and us and our faith and everything, which I'm sure most of the artists in the industry would be like, no, (laughs) like if they're being honest. Exactly. Exactly. And I I know there, there, there's some differences. There's some exceptions. You know, I feel like there were, there were some authentic bands and it's not, it's not that people set out to, be liars but and they are just trying to present something to the world that represents this faith but it's it's not that we're broken it's not like that Mm -hmm. and the more you try to um perpetuate it as something else the more twisted it becomes and then it's not authentic anymore and Mm -hmm. so that yeah that's the whole conundrum i guess yeah and finally a clip from our episode entitled no really how's your heart this may well transition to this other thing of like, what's the value of difference? Yeah. And if there is one at all, because talking about this a lot lately, well, it's been on my heart and mind a lot lately and maybe, uh, maybe it'll resonate with listeners where they feel a certain way and they're in a community Mm -hmm. where that doesn't 
feel that way and they're like, well, what's, should I even be here? Mm -hmm. And it's like, is it your duty to like protest from the inside and try to make change? Because I mean, spoiler alert, pastors are pretty certain no matter what. Do you feel like you have the latitude to change your mind about stuff? Sure. Oh, yeah. I feel a lot of latitude. Yeah. About a lot of things. There's some things no. Some things no with me, but about a lot of things. So I've been thinking a lot about in these divisive, polarized times we've lived in, because I had a really rough experience like a month ago with a friend of mine. Mm. Uh, It was when we were on hiatus, and I was up in Portland, and I saw a friend who like really hurt me. Uh, actually it became like an annual occurrence <laughs> to like say something like really kind of cruel and like destroying right. to me under the premise too that they were helping you yeah and what's messed up is i don't doubt that premise like i don't doubt that they feel like that's true no but no but not someone seeking to hurt no 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 which but is the worse. disregard of <laughs> yes of like thinking this is possibly actually doing way more damage than I yeah. think I'm helping. Yeah. So I was just hanging out and and then I was like, uh, should I talk to this person? Close friend of mine for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And like the day before I texted them like, oh, hey, let's get together, hang out. And we got together and talked about like fun stuff for like half an hour. And then it did transition into, oh yeah, I, I saw you, you know, You've been posting a lot about blah, 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 blah. Did you tell me about this? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Keep going. Um, <laughs> this is for me, not for the listeners now. I'm just catching up with my friend Kevin. Sure. And um, and it spiraled into the most intense, most hurtful conversation of my life. What did they say? Well... <laughs> well you can share some of this off mic later if you'd prefer. Uh, yeah, I have no boundaries. Uh <laughs> I, I, it, it turned into like, cause I think like you, I put, I think I posted a thing on Instagram stories when I was like really into the Q and a function on it for some reason. <laughs> Something about hell. Like I'm not comforted by hell. I'm not comforted by heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Which inspired that person to text me and say like, Hey, I saw what you were posting. I'm here if you want to talk, which this person, I know what they believe. Right. And I know like, and there's been a lot of hurt in the past. So. I don't think me reaching out and texting back would have been like, oh, yeah, let's have a conversation. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah. So I didn't. But then for whatever reason, I just texted this person the day before. And, and then they brought it up. And then it spiraled and kind of zeroed in on there was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff about posting and, and social media and blah, blah, blah. But it zeroed in into, the, into gay stuff and, and specifically about like, and I said, I think there's a way you can do it. There's a scholarship. By the way, there's a book called Unclobber, which I think the writing is kind of bad in it, but I think the scholarship is really persuasive and good about like the clobber passages about the people throw gay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About Leviticus and what Paul says in Romans one and all this stuff where it's like if you wanna if you wanna do the tap dance of like actually Hebrew for abomination meant the same thing as garments of two different like you can do that. But also if you don't want to do that, you can just say, I don't care. sucks I don't care so I said that and I was like yeah I don't care if I'm being unfaithful all this is to say for someone who's been a very close dear friend of me who's influenced me in a lot of ways uh, for the better part of a decade and was yeah just hugely important to me 
I was like, this is a friendship ender, this conversation was. And it had to do with the podcast. And it had to do with doing the podcast where it's like, you're being irresponsible. Because I was like, well, let's not be polite. Like, let's cut to the, you're saying I'm being irresponsible with the platform. You're saying I've turned my back against God. Because the thing is, if you believe something different from someone else, you can be like, oh, we come to a different conclusion on this. And I think yours is kind of wrong or maybe like damaging and hateful. I will not say, I don't think you believe in God anymore. No. I think you're kind of out on G.O.D. This person felt different. Said that you don't believe in God anymore? Well, didn't, no, I, again, didn't say it. But it was like, it, it's House of Cards theology where it's like, well, if you don't believe right, if you that don't believe- homosexuality is a sin, then why should I be faithful to my wife? What's the point of monogamy? And just like a, if A is B, then B is D. Oh, like just like a lot of gotcha. If, yeah, if you don't believe this one thing, then you don't really have reason to believe in any morality. Well, yeah, I guess not. Uh, I don't think uh, homosexuality is the same. Okay, well, I guess we'll all go rape everybody and nothing <laughs> means anything. And it's like, wow, yeah, like we're going a, from A to Z here. I know. And just it became like very personal and very like gotcha. Like, yeah, push back. Come on, push back. Like, it's fine. Push back. Oh, that makes me feel crazy. And like looking for a fight in a way where it's like. Uh, this isn't good. It's, it's not my personality type, but it, it uh, eviscerated me. It made me not want to do the podcast anymore. It made me not want to be a Christian anymore. Because it got to this fever pitch of like, I believe that you believe something that's like bad and harmful and ultimately not loving. You think I'm out. Mm-hmm. You think I'm not a part of this anymore. And you think that I'm actively hurting the world. Yeah. By doing what we're doing right now, which it's like... By acknowledging, I believe some different stuff and also there's a lot I don't know. Right. And which is to say... Uh, yeah. For all the people that are listening to this right now that might like have some sort of enjoyment or even like uh, an objective, like positive response, like, oh, this was actually helpful to think about this way. Go fuck yourself. Like, that's the ultimate conclusion. Like, you guys are so lost. You're so lost. You're so confused, especially after this week. And I won't talk about this week's stuff to date it too much, but it's like just the ultimate, like, Oh, just like being so utterly confused. How sad for you that you're so utterly confused. And then the conversation ended. It's like, uh, can we put a pin in this? Can we go get a burger? So we got a burger and then we talked about like Mission Impossible or something. Drove me back to the Airbnb. And I was just like, I felt shattered and manipulated because it was like, yeah, I mean... You're bad. What you do is bad. But you shouldn't hate me. Let's get a burger, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're still pals. Yeah. You need me as a lifeline. Yeah. And I was, and Ugh, Kevin, I am so sorry well, that you had to feel that way. And I, I like, I'm just really sorry. And I genuinely mean that. And I know. Just take that into your heart of like, that's not how people should make you feel or friends make you feel, especially. And I, I can understand too, like, hearing that from someone you trust and have loved for so long. That's the thing. It was all it was all legitimate concerns. And this isn't the first time with this person too and like three years ago. So in this a row, like three punch yeah. to your to your gut because they could yeah. And again, I know like we're both talking about like I could acknowledge I think they're probably very sincere in thinking that they're helping mm-hmm. and like propping you up and being corrective over like an issue you have or mm-hmm. something when in fact they are 
preying upon your very insecurity, which is that I'm not getting it and I'm hurting people because I'm not getting it. Yeah, that this uh, podcast is a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, and I think that like that's such a mistake. And we're not leaders by any means, but man, if all the people, all your spiritual leaders are so sure of everything, that should be an alarm for you. Like that should be alarming Mm -hmm. because that's, I think that's, if we're going to throw that term around, that's sinful. Uh, There's things you can be sure of, you know, like, Don't hurt people. Fight oppression. Mm -hmm. Care for each other. Mm -hmm. Love each Mm -hmm. other. But other stuff, it's like, man, yeah, that's that's not good. That's not helpful. I will say the funny part was like going to bed crying, waking up crying, and I get a FaceTime from my sister saying, surprise, I'm pregnant. Uh, I'm like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I got a I got a pregnancy announcement from my sister when I was crying about a breakup. Oh my gosh! Yes, like at the at that moment, and I was like, "Okay, well, I feel a little better now." Do you <laughs> like, think my sister and your sister talked to each other about that? Like, yeah, I think so. Let's, they let's need time our conceiving <laughs> in order to when we think Kevin and Caroline might be having a breakdown. Yeah. Oh man, that but was terrible. I'm so sorry. It made me very uh, doubtful, but then hopefully, I I hope the positive takeaway was like discernment and concern of like oh yeah like i I don't think i don't think it would uh be bad for anybody to think about platforms and voice and whatever responsibly right but then it really did make me think about the kind of impenetrability and the low ceiling maybe of difference Mm -hmm. and like what is the value of difference what is the value of me staying in this community or that community and like What's the best case? I go to church. Ah, pastor said something I disagree with. I talk to pastor. He listens. He has genuine compassion. He has genuine sincerity. And he's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Here's why I'm not changing my mind. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I'm not changing my mind either. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it's supposed to be. Like, and, mm-hmm. and the easy, I think, again, 2018, the Twitter responsibility to like, cut toxic people out of your life. But is that what we want? Do we just want everyone to look and talk and sound like you and me? Yeah, I think, well, if we're talking about this kind of situation, I think that there's, I could be wrong. I'm not certain. Um, but I think there's a, there's a threshold that you can hit. Mm-hmm. If we're using this person as an example, like the first time maybe you can kind of like rebound and try again and like give the benefit of the doubt and try to, coexist with that person yeah but then even if you have brought it to them this was painful this is difficult you're not helping me and they continue that behavior then that's not someone that's going to be changed by the power of your relationship together you know but yeah but a lot of people have changed by the power of relationships Mm -hmm. like how many people we talked to was like yeah i was anti-gay until i had a gay friend and that changed everything for me because it became personal and that wouldn't have happened if that gay friend was like, see ya, I'm out of here, you know? Right, and that's why I, d- I don't want it. But if the gay friend the, is harming themselves. Yes, exactly. By, yeah. If it's hurting them, if there's no love, if there isn't safety, get out of there. Like, that's not good for you. It's it's not mm-hmm. worth it, basically. I think that's also just a lot to ask of people that are, especially people that are on the fringe or marginalized, to say, like, you need to stay at the church. You need to stay in those communities that are harmful in order to be the, like, change that you want to see in the world i think for anyone that's doing that there are some people that are like i can handle this there's a there is enough love here and safety in here that i i can 
exist here without this being too harmful. Mm. But there's also plenty of stories where it's like, I got to go. This is like weighing on me all the time and it's not good for me anymore. And even if I'm seeing incremental change, the cost for me personally is too high. And that's okay too. Yeah. We don't all need to be, you know, like heroes of our ideology or whatever. And we can also be wrong. So it's like, yeah, I know. But but you know, I think it's something that people have even talked about in the diving in Facebook group of like, should I, I feel this or like Mm -hmm. someone was posting about it. That's the Facebook group where people talk about uh, not necessarily stuff specific to the show, but themes that the show touches upon. Yeah. and again, I don't want to be cynical. Like, I don't know if it's more hopeful to say, like, yeah, if you can endure that difference and it doesn't hurt you. I mean, this is like, hmm, maybe three years in, it's the most hurtful relationship in my life. Maybe then you can, like, be like, yeah, I can peace I think out we're of good. it. Yeah. Yes. As your friend, I would say you were, you were good probably <laughs> at blow two or one, but <clears throat> blow three by far. Yeah. Like, this is. You can love them from afar. But and maybe wa- it can change. And I think that's another thing. Like, there isn't finality in this thing if you need to cut ties with someone or take a break. No, I did not send the 3,000-word email I wrote. Yeah, keep it. Uh, well, I think you should send some email, something, saying I don't think this so. is the pain. Because 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 uh, you get a chance, too, what to you maybe mean? offer a corrective experience for this person. I don't know about Unless that. Unless you don't want to. Then you don't have to. But yeah. anyway... Uh, yeah. yeah, well, and especially at the time, it's But like, that doesn't say, like, 10 years from now, when you both done growing, mm-hmm. you can still decide, like, maybe I'll give this a chance. You know, it doesn't have to be forever that I'm gone. I hope not. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, how about our hearts, huh? Our hearts. They're interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe you guys are bored. No, our I- hearts are friggin' fascinating, <laughs> man. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a nice talk. I'm glad yeah, we could talk about that. I'm glad we got to as well. Hey! Whoa! Whoa! Wow! Oh! Oh! <laughs> Man, that was cool. It was fun to live that again. So, yeah, this has been a sampler of GCF Second Service. Oh, we did promise to tease next week's episode. Now, Let's not be, this is usually something we make Amy Grant do for us, but we're just going to put it here instead. Yeah, yeah. We're giving Amy, Amy the holiday off. She worked really here hard on this. Here comes Christmas to Amy. We're going to give her a break. Yeah. <laughs> we told, when we told her, a single tear rolled down her cheek and she whispered, here comes Christmas for me. My girls. <laughs> so as we promised, the teaser for next week's episode, next week on GCF, we're going to be watching the Jennifer Garner movie, Miracles from Heaven. Mm, Jenny. It's a it's a real humdinger of an episode. I'll just say that. Check it out next week on Good Christian Fun. Goodbye. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>